I don't know if you can hear it. Uh, welcome back to lecture number three in our understanding probability and statistics. But there's a couple of uh, guys going through the building's trash right now, and they're having an argument about who got to a particular bag first. Uh, they're splitting up all of the uh, deposit cans, five cents uh, for a can here in New York City. Plus which, uh, there's been a car alarm that's been going on and off, so we'll see how well that's going to influence these lectures. Now I want to encourage people before we get be uh, really going here, if you got questions, please feel free to post them in the comment field. And if you're listening to this via iPod or some other mechanism but on the webpage, you can do that at wmbriggs.com. That's W-M-B-R-I-G-G-S.com. Or you can email me directly at uh, M-A-T-T, Matt, at wmbriggs.com, and I'll be happy to answer anybody's questions. Last time, uh, you know, we had to do some technical things. We had to understand, again, that all arguments are a sequence of events. We start with these premises which are statements or events that we assume are true or that are true. And we move to a conclusion, which is in some way connected to those premises. I've decided to leave all these noises in. I have all the windows and doors and everything closed and muffled the best that I can. But uh, this is the city that never sleeps uh, nor never stops screaming as it, uh, as it appears. Anyway, so we have these premises. And we have a conclusion which is in some way related to them, usually. And we want to know what is the probability that that conclusion is true given the premises or conditional on the premises or assuming the premises are true. And all of statistics and all of probability fit into this framework. We're going to uh, use as premises, uh, among other things, statements such as I measured uh, a set of data. Data number one was a woman 35 years old who said yes to question number one. Data set number two was a man who was 42 who said no and so forth. These are all observation statements which we'll be taking as premises. And we'll also be taking certain premises about how to model that data and we'll have conclusions uh, of the type, well, women in the future over 20 are more likely to say yes to a certain question than women uh, under 20 and so forth. And we're going to calculate the probability of those conclusions given that uh, list of data that we have or premises and plus other premises we take about these models. That's where we're really heading with all this kind of thing. But before we can get there, before we can really understand what all the probability and statistical methods are, we have to understand exactly what we mean by probability. Now last time we introduced the example uh, we had two premises, or three or four, however you want to dice this up, but it was in the dice example, or the die example. I have a die, which has six sides, and I'm going to toss it. Only one side will show. And just one of those six sides is labeled with six spots. And I'm interested in the conclusion, a six spot will show when I throw the die. 
Now the probability of that conclusion, given those premises, all of us can agree is one-sixth. Well, most of us agree with that. Now this week we're going to learn that there are other schools of probability. Uh, the school that we're going to follow and the school that I think is right is the logical probability school and that says just what we've been doing all along that probability is a matter of logic. Uh, Non-deductive logic but logic still the same. And we'll talk a little bit about non-deductive logic uh, as we go along. We won't get too in-depth with it. We will for our example today. But there are two other main schools. And we have to understand a little bit about these because uh, these other two schools are the ones you usually meet in statistics textbooks and in reports uh, that people use. And by far the largest of all of them, it's bigger than, uh, it's bigger than the other two we're gonna, uh, that we're going to use, is called frequentism. Uh, sometimes called classical probability. Frequentism is the idea that an object's limiting relative frequency becomes its probability. So in the dice example, we can't assign a probability to the next throw of the die. What we have to do is we have to throw the die an infinite number of times or uh, a certain number of times that is approaching the limit of infinity. And we'll look at the number of times that actually showed up as six spots and divide by the total number of times. And that limiting frequency of those experiments becomes the probability of seeing a six. Well, the problem with that is uh, somewhat obvious. It might be a very pleasant mathematical and perfectly fine mathematical object but it has nothing to do with reality. Uh, we cannot, of course, ever throw an infinite number or even something that's approaching an infinite number of dice. And besides which, we immediately run into the problem, well, what do you mean by throw a die? We can imagine we have a die that is perfectly shaped, and then we have to specify the gravitational field. How high above uh, the center of mass we'll be throwing it? What's the viscosity of the air? How much spin will we impart to the die? Uh, what, what are the weights of the spots that are on the die? Uh, what about the relative humidity? What about the surface hardness and uh, its elasticity and so forth? All of these things have to be specified if you want to start talking about the, the experiment of a particular die. When we talk logically, on the other hand, we're not talking about uh, particular dies per se. We're making a logical statement. We're stating that an object with six sides, one of which is labeled a six, and only one of which can throw, uh, show on a throw, the probability of seeing one of those sides is one-sixth. Now, whether or not that's applicable to any real-life die, well, that's what we're going to find out with statistics. But there's nothing at all wrong with making that uh, logical statement. It's very easy to understand. Another huge problem, and there are many, we're only going to talk about two problems of uh, of frequentism. Uh, there are books and papers written on the many uh, philosophical difficulties with this and some of them are just a little too nice for us to get into uh, uh, on, a, on a lecture of this type, but the, the biggest is there are no unique events. So for instance, let us imagine uh, here in the United States uh, we're interested in the probability that Hillary Clinton 
will run for president uh, the next time around. Well, she ran the last time around, so she might run again. Probably not, but it is a contingent event. We talked about contingent events last time. Contingent event means the universe has to be in a certain way. And the universe certainly has to be in a certain way for Mrs. Clinton to run or not. Therefore, the probability of this event is greater than zero and less than one. And using some evidence we might imagine, we might come up with a probability. Or using just the evidence that it is a contingent event, we're done by saying the probability is greater than zero and less than one. But in frequentism, we cannot answer the question at all because we have to embed that event in some imaginary limiting series of events. Well, what are we talking about? All women who are running for president of the United States, all women who have run for state leaders, uh, democracies, all women who have ruled countries of any type of government, any woman who has run for any kind of office in the United States, any woman who has run for any kind of office in democracies, any woman who has run for any kind of office in any kind of government, all those who have done so before the year 1900, and so on. All of these are possible events. And all of them in this theoretical structure can have different limiting frequencies. None of which gives itself to be the correct one. So the only way you can get yourself out of that is if you were to sort of move to logic. We'll say, given these other premises, this is the proper one. Well, uh, if you're going to be doing that, you're going to actually be moving to using uh, logical probability. You might as well stay with that. Now, this is very breezy and uh, uh, short and brief, and there's no way we can get to everything. So uh, I realize I haven't... Uh, given these arguments to the strength of a formal proof, but those do exist. And I have in the class notes uh, references you could check up on that if you want to. Okay. Uh, I have another example uh, of a logical probability. Uh, this is an example where the premise is uh, Bob. This is from David Stove, the philosopher David Stove. Bob is a winged horse, uh, like Pegasus. So Bob is Pegasus, or a Pegasus horse. Horse with wings. That's our premise. Now assume that that's true, which we have no problem doing using our intuition or imagination. The conclusion I'm interested in is that Bob is a horse. Well, given that premise that Bob is a winged horse, the probability that he is a horse is 1. However, there can be no relative frequency of this because we can never cobble together a list of real winged horses for the simple fact that they don't exist. All right, these are just some of the, the, the problems with uh, frequentism. Now, a lot of people recognize this. There's been a large class, a large movement. Uh, we're not going to talk about the history today. I don't think we have time, but uh, a large movement away from frequentism that start not a large movement. Well, the movement started again in the 80s, sort of picked up speed the late 80s and the 90s, and is really in academic circles at the least. Uh, I, I don't want to say it's quite taken over yet, but uh, I would say most people are now convinced at least that there's a lot of truth to the Bayesian idea. Now, the Bayesian idea will come to Bayes' theorem and all that kind of thing, uh, uses as a basis uh, probability, but not necessarily logically. 
It does away with the relative frequency contracts, context. It turns it on its head the same way logical probability does. The logical probability or Bayesian context says, well, we have a probability of an event. If that event were to happen many times, what's the relative frequency of that event? That we can answer. That's physical. That makes sense. So I want to make sure everybody gets that. The main difference between uh, the relative frequency and either Bayesian or logical probability views is that we can specify through logic and logic probability or through subjectivism and Bayesian probability, which we'll talk about in a second. We can specify a probability somehow. And then if we're interested in how the event will play out, if we were to give it repeated chances of occurring, we could talk about the relative frequency. We could talk about limiting relative frequency. We could talk about the relative frequency and finite sets of these events and so on. That's what you can't do in relative frequency, but you can do with Bayesianism. Now, Bayesianism, the absolute main almost everybody follows is called subjectivism. And they take this idea of intuition we've been talking about, and they hold on to it and believe that all probabilities are matters of personal opinion, subjective belief, and nothing more. So, for instance, in the example, I have a die, six sides, I'm going to throw it, only one side can show, just one spot, uh, one side is labeled with six dots or six spots, and I'm interested in the conclusion, a six spot will show. We, using logical probability, are constrained to say that that probability is one in six. A subjectivist is free to say the probability is 0 .001, if he likes, or the probability is 95%, if he wants to. There's absolutely nothing stopping him. The probability of any event is freely determined by somebody's will. Now, this is absurd uh, because it's very difficult to argue out of the situation that we gave, this one particular situation, how you can choose anything but 1-6, but nevertheless, subjectivists do. However, it's a mere quibble because almost no subjectivist that I know, uh, any academic one anyway, uh, would say anything but 1-6. I have seen people, unfortunately, in print use subjective priors that were just pulled out of thin air. Uh, but that's an unfortunate fact. That's not the usual thing. All right, so we have subjective Bayesians and we have the idea of logical probability. Logical probability goes under the name, uh, sometimes it goes under the name, objective, objective Bayesianism. This is where all probabilities are logically defined. And in truth, the math is really no different. Uh, the math and the procedures and so on that we would use between subjective and objective Bayesianism are minor matters, if they're matters at all. Most of the math is identical. Most of the procedures, methods, data collection, computer software, everything we do, the conclusions we make are the same. The only thing that this makes it different, the, the, this series of lectures, is that both, this is a taste of what's to come, both frequentist procedures and Bayesian procedures uh, subjectivist or the uh, old objectivist concentrate on uh, metaphysical entities called parameters, which we'll have to talk about. Uh, I, eschew, I, I eschew those sort of methods because I am interested in what reality is, and I am interested in something called predictivist statistics, where we talk about observable 
tangible, measurable events. All right, well, we still haven't gotten to the idea of the homework uh, and some of the, the fun we could have with some of these questions and applying it. We still haven't talked about randomness nor Boolean logic. We're still really on the first chapter of the class notes. And I don't want to uh, go too long. And I know some of these, th this lecture and the one before are sort of uh, a little bit uh, dry at times, but they're absolutely essential for you to assimilate. We need to understand, uh, you don't need to understand frequentism. You don't need to understand subjective Bayesianism. You don't need to understand all of those other things about logic, except for your understanding of how logical arguments are built. We start with premises which we assume are true or that are true, condition on something else. And we move to a conclusion which is tied to these premises somehow and we're interested in the probability that conclusion is true. That's what we're going to be doing from now on after this. So once again, uh, questions are welcome. Uh, you can log on to the site wmbriggs.com or email me matt at wmbriggs.com and I'll be happy to answer them. See you next week.